We've got two verses of scripture to take as our text this morning. The first we've looked at a few times already, Romans and uh, chapter 1 and verse 17. So let's begin there. So that's in the New Testament then, Romans and uh, the first chapter. And uh, two verses, 16 and 17, provide the theme for this book. We'll read verse 17 this morning. So Paul is talking about the gospel, the Christian message, and he says in verse 17, for in it, that's in the Christian message, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Last Sunday morning, we looked at that phrase, the just shall live by faith. We saw it in the Old Testament, in one of the minor prophets. And uh, this morning, that phrase is going to be an answer to a question. So the answer is, the just shall live by faith. So where's the question then? Well, turn to the Psalms that we read earlier in the service. We read Psalm 11, and we also read Psalm 12. And in Psalm 11, we have the question. And the question is found in verse 3 of Psalm 11. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So we'll begin this morning with the question then. If the foundations are destroyed... What can the righteous, or to go to our answer, the just, what can the just do? We've been trying over the past few weeks to think about the society in which we live. And for many of us, society has changed almost out of all recognition. Things have changed in the course of our life that we would have never, ever imagined. And uh, we are talking about uh, different aspects of society. We're going to look at some of them today. And last Sunday, we tried to think a little bit about why have we seen the great changes in society that we've witnessed. And we talked more about it on Monday uh, in our meeting. We looked at some of the reasons why there have been these tremendous changes taking place. What I want to do this morning then, I want to think about the subject of foundations. What we are witnessing in society is the change to foundations. And I want to suggest to you three foundations that have changed almost beyond recognition in our society. And then, having mapped out the changes, we'll then ask the question, okay, in the midst of all this change, what can the righteous do? And, of course, the answer, as we've seen, is that the righteous shall live by faith. So, amongst all that we are seeing, all the great changes that are occurring, the call to us as Christian people is to live by faith. That's what we'll do then. Let's ask God's help as we turn to his word. Lord, we've set ourselves the task 
of understanding the society in which we live. And we've already said that we have witnessed great changes in the course of our own life. Just a few short years ago, what is common today would have been unthinkable. And Lord, we need to do the thinking then about what we are witnessing. How should we regard such changes? And Lord, you've also asked the question, what shall the righteous do? What's the response from us as your people? So Lord, we commend ourselves. We thank you that we are present to you. And uh, we ask our God for your blessing upon us then as we seek to hear your word and to live in its light. Hear our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are thinking about society. And this is the third Sunday now in which we've tried to do this together on a Sunday morning. And uh, the reason is we are part of and live our lives in this society. So tomorrow morning, some of us will wake up and think, oh no, here we go, another week in work, another week on that treadmill of uh, going to work and doing what you need to do. Others will wake up and uh, whatever you'll do during the day, you'll still be part of our society. And when we meet together, we often say, don't we, do you, have you heard, have you heard about this? Have you heard what the government are doing? Have you heard what uh, I've seen on television? And, and we talk to each other about what we are witnessing in society. So we need to try and understand what's going on today. Two weeks ago, we saw that we have a God who is still speaking, even in our society. Just as God has always done, God continues to speak to all men and women First of all, through creation. So whether you think of, uh, I can't remember the name, I've already forgotten, but that mission to Jupiter or whatever it was, and you had all those photographs coming back, whether people are looking at Saturn and its rings, whether people are looking at the storms or the sky, wherever people look, God continues to speak through creation. We've also seen that our God is continuing to speak today from heaven and he is speaking about his wrath. Now, what we've done so far is we've just acknowledged this, that God continues to speak about his wrath and he's speaking from heaven. We haven't gone into detail. Now, we may well just do that in the weeks to come. What does it mean when we say God continues to speak about his wrath and he does from heaven. We've also seen that the gospel is still being preached, the Christian message that Paul outlines for us in Romans. And where the gospel is still being preached, we are to expect that God's power will still be at work saving men and women. We must never lose sight of the fact that this message, preached here, preached in other places, will lead to people being saved. So God continues to speak uh, as he has always done and he speaks to every human being in the ways that we have described. So that's what we've said so far. 
I want to suggest this morning that three foundations to society are destroyed. Look at the psalm, Psalm 11 and verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed. Can I suggest that what we've witnessed in recent times is the destruction of the foundation of what it means to be a person. What it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. What it means to be male and what it means to be female. We've also seen, I think, in recent times, the destruction of the foundation of what it means to be married. The whole idea of marriage and uh, who can marry and who cannot marry. We've seen that foundation being destroyed. And then the third foundation that we've witnessed being destroyed is what it means to be a family. How do we understand family life? On Monday in our meeting, we had a discussion about rights. And uh, we live in a society where you have the right to family life. But nobody has discussed what family means. And so our traditional understanding of family and that foundation upon which society has been built, we've seen being destroyed. So what does it mean to be a person? What does it mean to be married? And what does it mean to have a family? So tomorrow night, what we may do is this. We may turn to Genesis and uh, the opening two chapters where the Bible begins with an account of what it means to be a man and a woman, what it means to be married, and what it means to have a family. Those two chapters in Genesis lay the foundation for the understanding of these three things. And the foundation is this. God created man in his own image. And so having made man as a special creation, God then ordered, first of all, how man, Adam, is to think of himself, God then ordered how Adam and Eve are to think of themselves as married. And then the third thing God did is he helped Adam and Eve to think about what it meant to have a family. Now those ideas open the Bible and they are reinforced throughout the Bible they are emphasized again and again. Things go wrong during the Bible's history, and you find God calling people back to those foundations of what it means to be a person and married and family. And then when you get to the New Testament, you have the Apostle Paul, along with Peter, again reinforcing these basic ideas in the life of the church. 
And one of the most profound ideas about these three things is that our identity as a, a man or a woman, marriage itself, and the family, they reflect who God is and what God is like. And so if you like, we start with our understanding of God, and God then shapes human experience to reflect the nature and the character of God. And that's the foundation that has been destroyed. What we are witnessing is the effect of turning away from God. If you get your sense of who you are from God and then reject God, it's not long before you create a new sense of who you are. And if you think of marriage from the point of view of Christ and the church, but you reject Christ, then it's not long before a new idea of marriage is going to be put in its place. And then in exactly the same way, if your understanding of family reflects your understanding of the fact that our God is three in one, that we have a God who is God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, you reject that, then it's only a matter of time before you create a new identity for family and have a new sense of what family is. So when society rejects the foundations upon which it's been built for centuries that flow from the uh, account in the Bible, when there's a rejection of God, then you'll see a society then in perhaps 10 years, 20 years, 50 years begin to set up a new sense of what it means in the three ways we are talking about today. So, can I just say, today, to be a man doesn't come from your sense of your body. You can have a sense of being a man that comes from somewhere else. In the same way you can about being a girl. Your idea of marriage can be what you want it to be. And families take individual shape. Now, I don't want to go into more detail here, but what I do want to do is this. I want us to see that certain foundations have been destroyed, and I want us to see that the result is people more unhappy than they've ever been. And we need to think very carefully, how do we respond? to what we are witnessing? And how do we respond also to this central idea that all the changes we have seen are aimed at making people happy? How do we respond to that? So if you'd be happy marrying a person of the same gender, then you have the right to be happy. 
And if you'd be happy by setting up a family with two dads or two mums or, or whatever you want, then you've the right to do it because you've the right to be happy. How do we respond to this? How do we respond to people's unhappiness? So let's take the subject of what does it mean to be a person? So I'm unhappy with the body in which I live. I'm unhappy at being told I have to be attracted to a person of the opposite sex. I'm unhappy to be told I can't marry the person I love. How are we going to respond to these things in our society? So on the one hand, we believe the foundations laid down in the Bible because those foundations reflect the character of God. The foundations in Genesis reflect the fact that we are made in the image of God, that we are made for fellowship with God, that it's only the case that we are truly happy if we are in fellowship with God and in communion with God. So if you're not in fellowship with God, in a sense, you'll never be happy. That's the foundation in the Bible. So how do we hold on to that? And then at the same time recognize that for generations people have been very unhappy about being told how to live, who to love, how to marry, and what kind of families they are allowed to set up. How do we respond as a church to such challenges? Well, what I want to do for the rest of our time together this morning, I want to look at the answer that you find in Romans 1 and verse 17. So turn with me then to it. You know it, I'm sure. I've already shown you that the answer to the question, how shall the righteous live, or, or what shall the just do, is in verse 17 of Romans 1, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. Now that's where we start. We start by recognizing today that at home, in the workplace, wherever you find yourself, you are to live by faith. And I think that's such a huge subject that we need to take it slowly. So can I suggest this as a place to start? We need to begin by recognizing that as a Christian, person I live by faith so as an individual whether you're a man or a woman whether you're unhappy whether you're very content you live by faith and I want to say three ways in which you live by faith. And then it may be in the weeks to come we'll expand on this idea that in society we have to live by faith. So, we need to live by faith then as individuals. As a Christian man or as a Christian woman, you are to live by faith. First of all, what that means is you, you must live as someone who is accepted by God. God accepts you 
as you are. So if there's any conflicts, if you're troubled in any way, if you're ill at ease, if you've made mistakes, God accepts you as you are. And so whatever troubles you as a person, if your sexuality troubles you, or your gender identity troubles you, or whatever troubles you, if you're a Christian, you start thinking about yourself as a person whom God has accepted. There's no need to change. You don't have to try. You don't need to make promises to God. You don't have to smarten up. You haven't got to try your best. You don't need to seek to improve. As you are, that's whom God accepts. When you come to Christ, when you believe in him, then God accepts you in that moment, in that instant, because of faith in Christ, you are totally acceptable to God. And then the challenge, of course, is to live like that. To live knowing that you are always accepted by God. Whatever you feel, and some of the uh, Old Testament characters tell us that you can feel angry with God, you can feel very hurt by what others have done to you, but whoever you are, as long as you live, as long as your faith continues in Christ, you are always accepted by God. If others don't accept you, God will always accept you through faith in his Son, Jesus Christ. And so living by faith means, in all this discussion about what does it mean to be a person, you can say to yourself, I'm an accepted person. And the one who accepts me is God. Now, why am I stressing this? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody who perhaps is transgender? So this person begins life with one gender and is transitioning to another. If you've ever had a conversation, you will no doubt at one point be told this. I want people to accept me as I am. And that's the great cry today. Accept me for who I am, what I'm like, how I live, how I choose. There's a deep need to be accepted by others. And of course, one of the most courageous things you ever see is a mum or, or a dad who really don't understand what their child is saying to them. A mum or a dad who wonder what they've done wrong, trying to accept their child as a child says to them, I'm going from one gender to another. Parents trying to accept the choices of their children. There is something in us that needs acceptance. And the most fundamental need 
is to be accepted by God. And the best news you can ever have in the Christian message is God accepts you as you are. If you come to Christ and believe in him, then God himself will accept you as a son or a daughter on no other grounds than the grounds that you have believed in Christ. And there's an acceptance with God that is fundamental, an acceptance with God that is eternal, an acceptance with God that is unchanging and that will take you into heaven itself. And I'll say it again, we need then to live as accepted people for the whole of our lives. Will you turn to one verse? I know I shouldn't really do this, but there's a verse that I, I, I found made a great impression on me, and we may look at it in, in the weeks to come. Turn to 1 Corinthians and chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles there, just turn across to 1 Corinthians 4. And uh, we, we took a quick look at this verse a few months ago in prayer meeting. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 3. <clears throat> With me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you, or by any human reason. In fact, I do not even judge myself. That's what it means to live by faith. The Apostle Paul never finds fault with himself. Now, there are faults there, but what he's telling us here is that as a man who lives by faith, there is no grounds for self-criticism, for self-blame. He doesn't torture himself with his mistakes. He doesn't hold his mistakes against him. And he doesn't beat himself with the wrong things that he's done and the wrong decisions he's made. And do you remember now, this man was a murderer. But he doesn't hold anything against himself to beat himself with a stick. How many of us this morning, we regularly beat ourselves up with the wrong things we've done. As Christians, the wrong things that we've done over the past week, we list them, and that list accuses us and condemns us. To live by faith, to live as an accepted person, is to live without any place for beating yourself up with your own mistakes. Well, time's going. Can I say two other things if I can? The second thing is this. To live by faith in this society, it means as a person to live as someone who is a work in progress. None of us are the finished article. I'm not. I'm so far from being the finished article that it's embarrassing. Would any of you say that at this point in your Christian life, you're the finished product? There's nothing wrong with you. You've got no weaknesses. You've got no hard edges. You've got nothing that you struggle with. 
There's no faults to be found in you. You know, we could have you out the front and we could project your, your past week on a screen and we could all watch it here in the service from Monday morning right through to Sunday morning. We could see you at work. We could see you at home. We could see you at night. We could see you during the day. Your whole life projected here on a screen for us all to see. And would we say to about any one of you, if your life was on that screen, look, there's someone who hasn't done one thing wrong. Could we do that about any of us? We are a work in progress. We are being sanctified. And I think one of the great truths is living by faith means realising that God loves you as a sinner and the power of God and the grace of God is daily at work causing you, a sinner, to make some progress in the Christian life. That's what it means to live by faith. You're not seeing what's wrong. You're actually seeing what God is doing. And you can say to yourself, look at me. I've got all these problems. I've got all these things going on with me. But I'm still believing. And I'm still trusting. And I'm still attending. And I'm still praying. And I'm still reading. And I'm still fellowshipping. Isn't that evidence of this great work that God is still doing in my life, even though I know myself to be this terrible sinner, God continues to work. He doesn't give up on me. He picks me up and he dusts me down and he sets me on my feet. And that's exactly what the psalmist te tells us. That after mistake, after mistake, God comes and picks you up and sets you out again and off you go because God continues to work in our lives as his people. Romans 6. I'm quite convinced that as we think about what it means to be a person and, and married and have a family, we need to think more about Romans 6. And what Paul tells us there about how a Christian is a dead person, dead to your old life, but you're alive through the power of God. Just as Christ died, you died with him. Just as he was raised, you were raised with him. We need to think so hard about that. So I'm living by faith. I'm one person. I'm a Christian man. I'm a Christian woman. I'm live, living as one who's accepted by God. I'm living as one upon whom God continues to work. God's great purpose is continuing in my life. And then thirdly and finally, Romans 8. To live as a Christian man or woman by faith is to live knowing that you'll be glorified. That your future is to be like Christ. And your future is to be with him in glory. Part of the idea of glory is this. In glory, in heaven, if you like, human beings will be what God always intended us to be. So right now we are sinners. But heaven, part of the glory of heaven, is to be that man 
or woman that God always intended you to be. So without your struggles and your failures and your sins and your hard edges, without your weaknesses, without those terrible battles that you have with yourself, part of the glory of heaven is to be that fulfilled you. Now, that's another word we use today. We hear about acceptance, accept me as I am, and we also hear about fulfillment. Human beings need to fulfill themselves, we are told. Reach their potential. Be their real selves. Part of what it means to live by faith is to know that here and now, in, in this present time, you can never be fully fulfilled. You will always struggle with something. There'll always be something wrong. Some part of you will feel out of shape. There'll always be some battle to continue with. There'll always be some struggle. You'll never reach that perfect moment when you're completely a fulfilled person. But God's purpose for you is to cause you to be that fulfilled human being perfected in Christ to be like him and to have your place in the new heavens and in the new earth. So you live by faith, accepting the struggles, recognizing the failures, knowing that you're out of sorts in so many ways. But God holds out to you this great prospect of future glory, to be forever with the Lord. So living by faith then, as a man or a woman, we are accepted by God. His work continues in us, and that work will one day be fulfilled. Well, let, let's ask God to help us to live by faith, and we'll continue to think of this subject in the weeks to come. Let's pray.